Hi, I'm Susan. And this is Diane. And this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, let you learn and let you grow, together with other mothers, when autumn comes. Welcome back. This is part two of Elizabeth's story. So before we jump in, I want to say, if you did not listen to episode 21, stop what you're doing, push pause on this episode, and go back to episode 21, Elizabeth's part one, called Stars, and start there. I mean, you can't miss the part one. Nobody nobody watches the second part of a to-be-continued TV show without watching the first. So it's the same thing. For those of you who did listen to episode 21, and you just need a little bit of a refresher, because let's be real, we all have crazy lives, and I can't remember what I had for dinner last night, never mind what happened in the podcast last week. So let me catch you up. So Elizabeth is our guest. And she is, in real life, one of Diane's best friends. We learned about her son, Cayenne, and how when he was born due to labor complications, he only lived for 36 days and never left the NICU. We heard about the bucket list that they had for him. We heard all of the gut-wrenching, tragic moments that she had. But we also heard so much hope. It really is such an inspirational story for me. Today, we're going to talk about her second son, Bodhi, and the relationship. It's interesting to say relationship, but Bodhi and Cayenne have a relationship, even though they never actually met, but they totally have a relationship. So yeah, I'm so excited to hear part two today, and I hope you are too. And we are going to just jump right in. Here we go. I feel like this is the worst way of putting this, but this episode makes me want to cheer for people like you can do it. You can do it. Like anyone that is facing, I mean, all of us could potentially be facing this at some point in our lives. Very different, but losing a child. I mean, whether you're typical children or your special needs children and in the oddest way, I just feel like it's like a cheer of you guys, you can do it. I mean, it's going to suck so bad. It sucks and embrace, but embrace the suck and embrace the weirdness and embrace like, I don't, I'm going to swear a minute. I don't give two shits what people say about like, "Mm, you kiss a piece of glass every night before bed or like seven years later. I don't give two shits. I'm going to do what I do and that's how I get through it. And that's okay. 
But it also, for anybody listening, it also took a very long time, I assume, for you to get to that point. Because if right now, let's say you're talking to a mom who lost her son six months ago. Like, what would you say to that mom? If you are still laying in bed, it's okay. If you're up and you're going to work and then coming home and wanting to lay in bed and just putting on a strong face while you're out and just, it's okay. Allow yourself to feel. And if you want to feel strong for two hours during the day and then break down for the rest of the time, it's okay. I mean, again, I go back to the time with my husband and he just, the only goal was do not end your life because we still have a life to live. And we do. He was right. I, at the time, I was like, no, we don't. We don't have a life to live. I'm done. I am done. Now I look at it and I'm like, oh, what a life. It's been... After seven years, I cry still about Kyan, but I look at Bodie and I'm like, oh my God, how did I get so lucky to have two? And I am fully, fully convinced that there is a large chunk of Kyan in Bodie. And so sometimes I just hold Bodie and I get him really, really tight. And I'm like, He's there with you. And I'm I'm literally hugging both of my children at one time. How old is Bodhi? Bodhi, ju- he turned five in September. And what was it like? Did you plan to have a second child? Did you, what was it like entering that world after losing your first child? It was hard. I, I didn't want another. I was, I was done. The trauma I, I think so much of it came down to like nobody knew the doctors didn't know they couldn't explain why Kyan experienced what he experienced because your pregnancy and your ultrasounds and everything showed normal textbook. Everything was normal. There wasn't an umbilical cord wrapped around Kyan's neck. Everything was just normal. And so it was just really, really scary to think about the trauma to me going through that trauma, the trauma of losing another child. I mean, I say it so casually, but, and, you know, everybody would say, you know, you just have to have another one. And I'll say that's one thing that really pisses me off because please don't like, just, just don't. If someone lost a child, don't say you just have to have another one because that's they're not replaceable. They're not replaceable and they're not there. It's just not. And so that was tough and everything will be fine with, if you have another one, everything will be fine. This can't happen twice. (laughs) You don't know that. I, I, and if you do like go literally buy me a Powerball ticket, (laughs) (laughs) I'd love one. If you know that person, let's all three go in together. We can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We can just. 100%. Because I you won't have to you. worry about getting Kleenex to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was hard and it took a lot of time. 
to get to the point of wanting another child. Um, my husband really, he, he wanted a, to be a dad. I was at the place where I was like, I was a mom and I was a mom for 36 days and I'm a mom to a child in heaven. But we got there and we started trying and we really struggled with getting pregnant. We could not get pregnant. And that was another unexplainable thing with Bodhi. And we couldn't get pregnant. And so we ended up going through fertility medications. Were you questioning things at this point or were you still... I mean, were you going, maybe it's not meant to be like, I am a mom to a child in heaven. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe this is my body's way of saying like, you are not supposed to like your body. There's something wrong with your body or just questioning kind of everything. We went through one round of Clomid and IUI and right away, first round got pregnant. I was like, okay, well maybe, maybe we just needed a little, little kickstart or something. Turkey baster. Yeah. The little turkey baster. (laughs) So great. And wouldn't you know it, we got pregnant right away and we had that first, very, very first ultrasound and the look of shock on the doctor's face and my husband's face, because for some reason my husband looks at ultrasounds in his spare time. I don't know. (laughs) And I was like, something's wrong. What's wrong? Something's wrong. And the doctor just said, there's three of them in there. I said some foul words um, that I won't say right now, but I was just in shock. I was like, oh my gosh, in the PC way that I'll say it. It was so exciting and so amazing. And so like three babies, Oh, we were in a state of like just the roller coaster. Like, how do you make this crazier than it already is? And um, we ended up losing the first baby at 11 weeks. And the second baby we lost at, I think it was like 15 or 16 weeks. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Because of the degree of trauma and grief you had been through prior, mm-hmm. was it as bad when you lost the babies? I mean, I know it's very complex because now you're yeah. up against raising triplets and having three babies. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, without sounding incredibly insensitive, it, it wasn't. And like miscarriage is so, so hard and it is it's something that is so incredibly personal for every everybody but i i think it was just like the roller coaster ride that we're on was just like you know if if there was a comparing to compare to losing one of the triplets to want to a cayenne like no i i can't they're they're not on the same level it was hard Um, I think especially the second one was the hardest because we were so far along and we were really kind of, we knew triplets was very risky. How does it, how does it work? Like, tell me about the birds and the bees. How, (laughs) how do you have a miscarriage? I don't, I, I'm lucky enough to have never experienced that, but how do you have a miscarriage with one of three and then the second of three and then Bodhi still survived? Like, how does that scientifically work? 
So like what happens to the babies? Do they all stay safe until one passes or do, how do you, what happens? (laughs) I asked this question and it was so crazy, you guys. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, are you serious? So like when these children die inside of you and there's multiple, I was like, well, what happens to the remains of these children, you know, of one child or the second child and your body absorbs them. Your body absorbs these children. And that's why, just a shout out to all women. Gosh, our bodies are so incredibly amazing. Yeah, they are. Oh my gosh, what we can do. So, And I'm those kids are kind of always with you then. Yeah. Like, they're, al- they're always with you. You and don't have to put them in your purse. No, I don't have to put them in my purse. Because <laughs> no. they're like essentially in your back pocket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, and I mean, I, I think that Bodhi has a ton of just kids inside of him. I think that his two siblings that he was with are a part of him. And I think that his brother spiritually is a part of him. It's just, I mean, sometimes and he's only five, but does he know this? Will you talk about siblings for him? Does he know that they were part of this story? Um, he, he knows a ton about, he knows everything about his brother, Kyan. It's impossible to not because, I mean, we have pictures of Kyan all over our house and there's the family. There's, you know, Dustin, Elizabeth, Kyan, and Bodie. That's, that's our family. Um, so he knows about his brother. Right now, he does not know about being a triplet. Mm -hmm. He will eventually, we will tell him and when he's old enough to maybe kind of understand that piece, but that's a, that's a trickier one for him to understand. Mm-hmm. It's really tricky. And I mean, it's tricky to, for him to understand that he has a brother that he's never yeah. going to meet, but yeah, we're very open with him about death. And, and I think that that's important because I don't know. I just, he needs to know, he needs to know that he has a brother and that sometimes I look at him and I just start crying because I think about his brother and he doesn't have to be like, my mom's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he definitely knows about his brother. So let's go back to when you were about to give birth to your second. Did you pack for the NICU? Oh, so <laughs> the roller coaster that my life is. So everything was going as well as it could be after you had just lost two children and you have this one like holy child inside of you that's just like, oh my gosh, he's he's the one. I had, my my pregnancy was high risk throughout the entire pregnancy and I had placenta previa. So very common, usually it moves, mine didn't um, or corrects itself, mine didn't. And I was at work at 30 weeks pregnant wearing a white pair of maternity pants. (laughs) I would like you all to know. I think there's a rule that you shouldn't wear white maternity pants beyond 30 weeks. Like there's, uh, yeah, I, there should be like a warning label. (laughs) I pushed it. I pushed it and I shouldn't have you guys, but it definitely adds to the story because I had a really big bleed. I got to the bathroom at work and I was like, there's blood everywhere. And it immediately took me back to that trauma of what do I do? And I 
ended up going to the hospital. Wasn't supposed to drive, but I did because I didn't know what's a big deal and what's not. And I was in kind of labor. Um, they were trying to kind of slow down contractions. The baby was, you know, still okay, but I was 30 weeks. So that was the beginning of an extreme form of bed rest. Did that plop you emotionally right back to where you were? Yes, because I went to the hospital where Kyan was born. That's We decided to stay at that same hospital. And when I went to that hospital at 30 weeks and was bleeding, they said, we can't take a 30-weeker, so we have to transfer you. And I was transferred via ambulance, lights and sirens, over to the hospital that's right next to Children's Hospital where Kyan died and where I was transferred after I gave birth to Kyan. So that plopped me right back taking two ambulance rides with two different children. The trauma alone was it. I, I didn't think I could, I could come out of it, but I did because after 72 hours, they were like, you can go home now We're we got this under control and you're not going to have this baby and you can go home, but you have to go on bed rest and went home and on bed rest. And then I went in for a routine appointment with my OB and she said, you know, I just kind of want to keep an eye on you for a weekend. I'm on call this weekend and I'm going to be in the hospital. Just keep on, keep an eye on you. And I was, I think at like almost 34 weeks at this point. And I'm like, okay. And then I had another big bleed. So then I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to get to leave the hospital. Am I? And they're like, no, you're not. You're here. You're going to be here. And your goal is to be at 36 weeks. So I was in the hospital for on bed rest for four weeks. That's, and the goal was to get me to 36 weeks. So it, it was, I was the long term. Did you stay. eat a lot of popsicles? I didn't really go a lot on popsicles. What did I <laughs> when eat? I, when they put me in on bed rest in the hospital, they made me eat popsicles, I guess, because they were never really sure if I was going to have to have the baby. So oh. I ate a lot of popsicles. Oh, I got to eat like real food. I always had like a thing. Um, they trusted you more. <laughs> they trusted me more because I was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have this baby. I'm not having this baby. Yeah. I think maybe they, I don't know what happened, but it was a long four weeks, very similar to, you know, spending time in a NICU, except for it was kind of like the Taj Mahal because I had a TV in there. Mm. <laughs> it was, it was great. <laughs> Um, and those annoying things across your belly the whole time. Oh, those are the worst. I never thought that I would be sick of hearing my child's heartbeat. Oh, I was like, turn that thing off. I'm done. I'm done hearing it. But, yeah. And I made it. I'm on, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like he was born. Okay. Like yeah, 36 weeks, one day. And Bodie James Lobby came out and he, he came out and he was screaming and it was a scheduled C-section. There was zero complications. And the first time we heard him cry, my husband was sitting right there with me and he said, I found my joy. Your husband is not dead inside. You said he was dead inside. He is so not dead inside. That's like the only time he's never that heard. just made me cry. <laughs> Dustin Lobby does not make people cry, and that just made me cry. 
You have said so many things that your husband has said over the last hour and six minutes. He is not dead inside. Oh, he's a little sarcastic. (laughs) I'm a little sarcastic, and that doesn't mean I'm dead inside. Oh, he's he's dead inside. I can maybe pull it out, but and this was one that I will say he really just. But he found his joy. He found his joy, and he had said that you know I. I didn't have joy after Kyan and hearing Bodie cry. I found my joy again. And it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was bittersweet and it was, I don't know. Bodie is, is Bodie. He's (laughs) very much his own child, but he also is obsessed with his brother Anytime he sees any reflection and something makes a rainbow or he sees a rainbow outside or just inside the house and there's a little rainbow and he's like, mom, stop. Kyan's here. Kyan's here and he came to visit us. And I'm like, honey, I know he's here right now. And so Kyan lives on all the time and Bodie loves to talk about his brother and loves to talk about his brother is comes back in rainbows and someday he'll see his brother again and he can't wait for that day. I'm sure you can, but I can absolutely wait for that day. And I tell him <laughs> that you can wait for that day because you have a lot of life to live, buddy. But someday you'll get to see him again. It's going to be amazing. We're going to take a quick pause. Hey, are you a medical or special needs mom? Yeah, yeah, you, I'm talking to you. We have a club called the 4AM Mom Club. It's a bunch of us moms, we get together, we, I don't know, we, we talk about life and kids and we have some really cool professionals who have kind of come in and we have a fascia fix and we have a home organizer and we have all these cool people who are coming to love on mamas like us. So join the club. If you go to www. 4am-mom-club.com. You can get more information and join us. There's actually a video of Diane and I talking. So if you want to see our faces, you could go there and watch. See you there. Early in this conversation, you mentioned a man with a tie. And both of you kind of giggled and said, we have to talk about that later. Can somebody tell me about the man with the tie? Yes. So, so we talked about how like my extreme trauma of having an emergency C-section with Kyan and it was so like, I didn't really know what was going on because I was rushed into the OR and nobody was really talking to me. And so I just didn't really know what was going on. And I would just kind of, I was just kind of laying there awake, but there was one person that was talking to me. And this one person is known as the man with the tie. The backstory on the man with the tie, the man with the tie was in the OR and he, he talked to me and he was wearing docker pants, just like, you know, that really cute khaki docker pants that our dads sometimes wear to church. I'm from the South, like good Southern boys wear docker pants. Come on now. (laughs) Yes. So exactly. Those kind of docker pants. And just like a dress shirt and a tie. And he had that on, but he wait, didn't have... Wait, was everybody else wearing scrubs? Everyone else, this is... You 
you're onto something as a very good medical mother. Everyone else was in scrubs and they had hats on, like hats being like to cover their hair, like hair nets or whatever, and masks on. This is obviously pre-COVID. But you're in an OR, so thank I'm you. I'm in an for OR, so all of the OR things that you should have on. And then there's just the man with the tie that was talking to me. And he was the only person that was talking to me. He wasn't really as, he was kind of watching what was happening with Kyan, but he was talking to me and kind of calming me down because my husband wasn't in there. the man with the tie real? That is a great question. Am I jumping the gun here? But I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> you the are, but did tie? Dustin see him? So yes, Dustin later, my husband later came into the OR, like they let him in. I don't know. Time is not really a thing when an emergency C-section is happening and your child isn't alive. Um, so he later came in and Dustin saw him. There is a picture actually of them trying like resuscitating Cayenne in the first picture ever of Cayenne. And I'm holding Cayenne's hand before he leaves to go to the other to children's hospital and the man with the tie you can see him from like you know just kind of his tie you couldn't see his face he was there so he was a real person but it was very fascinating that he was not wearing or scrubs and or everything did he talk to anybody else i don't know but i noticed that he talked to me and he's in a picture so like there was a huge there was a yeah he was the man with the tie. So now bringing all of this together, there gets to be this point where I'm pregnant with Bodhi and I'm on bed rest in the same exact hospital that I had this emergency C-section with Kyan. I talked to the nurses and the doctors about, they all knew my story. And I talked to him about the man with the tie. Who is the man with the tie? And they kind of, looked at me like I was crazy and asked the exact same question that you just did, Susan, was, is this man real? My husband confirmed, yeah, he was real. I saw him. It was like this big investigation thing of like trying to figure out who this man was. Was he a chaplain? Was he a nurse, a doctor? Like nobody could figure it out. A custodian who just didn't happen to be real nice. (laughs) Real nice. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It was kind of like the, a four-week, like, who was this? And they were looking up records from my the surgery and everything. So after we have our, I'm using air quotes, happy ending of walking out of the hospital with a child in a car seat carrier, and I've been in there for four weeks, and we have a child that we're leaving a hospital with that's alive and living and breathing, And we're on the maternity floor and my husband hits the button to go on the elevator. And this man walks out of a door and I looked at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's you. And he kind of stops and he's like, hi. And I'm like, you're the man with the tie. And he... I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) It's crazy. He looked at me and he's like, kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, you're the man with the tie. You are, I know you. And then he, I think he just thought I was some crazy mom that probably shouldn't be taking home a child. And 
he said, looks like you got a real bundle of joy there. And I'm like, no, I don't care about him. And that was, he was looking at Bodhi. I'm like, I don't care about him. You are my person. You are the man with the tie. And then I told him my name and I said, I'm Elizabeth Lobby. You were, you talked to me during my C-section and he remembered me from years ago. And he said, yeah, I did. I, I, I was there. I, I talked to you and I'm like, thank you. Thank you for talking to me because you were the person that was there during a completely traumatic time. And you talked to me and just thinking back to this man with the tie and how it all comes to fruition. And we are leaving the hospital with this child in our carrier. And this one thing that we thought was never going to happen with Kyan, we don't want to create fake happiness. We don't want to create this idea that something is what it isn't. And to close up, I don't know if close up the chapter is the right word, but kind of put a bow along the whole thing to know that it's all interconnected from Kyan to Bodhi. And it's bigger than... So bigger. Anything we can explain. So are you friends with the man with the tie now? Did you look at his badge? What was his job? So he was... Did you push the emergency stop button on the elevator and say, no, we have a conversation we have to have right now. It's been seven years or five years in the making or whatever. You're coming home and I'm making a hot dish. That's a Minnesota thing. (laughs) No, I mean, so we didn't get in the elevator because I stopped and just kept talking to him. And he is a uh, perinatologist. Okay. So that that kind of pre-high... perineonatologist the person that helps prior to yeah high-risk pregnancies yeah Yeah. and he was when they called code blue Mm. when kyan was born he just kind of showed up and didn't put scrubs on didn't need to he was there for me and it was the most joyous time and he was the man with the tie and so cool. he, he brought Kyan. He was like the first thing that brought Kyan and Bodhi together. There've been other situations where Bodhi's very, I don't know. He's keen on things and he knows about things where, especially when he was littler now that, you know, he's five and a half and getting a little bit bigger, but I feel like as their kids are really, really little, they really understand and maybe see spirits or feel spirits or feel the presence of something. And yeah, I mean, Bodhi has seen, says that he has seen his brother in his room and he's like, my brother's in my room. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go back up and play with my brother in my room. And it's just, it's things like that. I know that what I have in Bodhi, there is so much spirit and so much joy in not only Kyan, but the other babies that I, that I lost during that pregnancy as well. Do you ever get a little sad that you don't necessarily sense him as concretely as Bodhi did or does? No, we all have our, like, I think between my husband and Bodhi and myself, it's like, we all have our, 
our own special feelings on cayenne. And I know it's for each of us, it's so unique. And I think that's what makes cayenne so special. And so, I mean, as all of our feelings are so unique in this world, we all have unique feelings about different people and about different experiences. And even just in this family, we have unique feelings about, about cayenne and experiences and feelings and past and present. And it's just amazing. It's such a cool, I mean, the man with the tie is just a really cool, like if you write a book, we should call it the man. We, I'm in your book already. Um, (laughs) I'll be, (laughs) maybe we, maybe we should just dedicate it to the man with the tie because, (laughs) Oh, I mean, he is, he is a very important piece in my story. It's funny because, um, not the same, but since this is more of the casual conversation part, for Lorelai's first birthday, I printed a bunch of pictures of the day she was born. Because for me, like you, it was a whirlwind. She was swooped away and whatever. And one of them, again, I didn't get to hold her until she was nine days old, but one of them has a nurse showing her to me. And you can see the nurse's forearm. And it has that verse, um, the one, she will never fall. Oh, God is within her. She will not fall. Some 46, five. So you can see on her arm, her holding Lorelai and you see God, if God is within her, she will not fall. And I can tell you, I had looked at that picture however many times, but I printed it on her birthday And I guess it was just big enough as a five by seven that you could read this right over Lorelai's head. I wonder if that nurse put that there for a reason. I wonder if she's been in everybody's pictures with this verse. Like, you know, but to get the diagnosis that we got and then to see a picture a year later with this verse written on her arm right above my kid's head, wondering what our future was going to look like, it was just really powerful. So it's things like that that I think the universe and God are just bigger than our stories. Absolutely. I I think it just takes like knowing like when you are in the trenches of something, whatever that thing might be, whether it's the beginning stages of a diagnosis or, you know, whatever, losing a child or anything, knowing you're going to come out of this and look back at this time And something is going to come out of it that is going to stick with you, Mm -hmm. that is going to shake your world and change you. It's going to make you the person that you are. It's part of your story. Yeah. And I think that's what's so important and so powerful in all of this. It's amazing how small we are in such a big universe and how, I don't know if everyone feels like this, but I firmly believe that that stuff doesn't happen by chance. Mm -hmm. The man with the tie the tattoo that just is going to stick with you forever, that gives you hope that somebody was there, you know, the day she was born, it just is, it's not by chance. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story with us. It really, I, like I was saying, your story will touch so many, even for people who are living totally different lives than you. Your story connects so much with me and I know it will with so many people. If I can help one person, mom, dad, anybody going through any form of grief and not knowing 
where to go next or what to do. And they are listening to this and they're just like, I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. It's okay to not know. And it's okay to give yourself time because this isn't normal and it's not normal's a setting on a washing machine and that's all it is. So Elizabeth, what gives you hope? I have so much hope. I have hope that the cayenne will always, always live on. And there are so many people that never met him, but his story lives on. And just the idea of moving forward. You don't have to move on, but you have to move forward and move forward with your grief and move forward with your child. Don't ever leave your child behind and don't ever feel afraid to talk about your child. It gives me hope to step outside and just feel him and feel all of the joy that he brought to me and hopefully so many others. You are such a beautiful soul. And I am so honored to be your friend. And I'm so happy that you were willing to share. I mean, the amount of people that, like Susan said, may not directly relate to your story. You have touched every single person that is going to listen to this. So thank you. Absolutely. You guys, it's been such a joy. And you two are amazing. I have to say, I have heard that story a hundred times and it never gets old. Something new always catches my eye because Elizabeth is just such a beautiful soul. And I think that was filled with so much hope. So thank you, Elizabeth, for opening up your home and your grief and your tragedy to us because I don't know, it just puts a really great perspective on such a daunting loss. And I think everybody can relate in some way to her story. I do all the editing and planning for this show. And, you know, you look at the list of like, okay, we need to balance out the child passed away stories with the disability stories with the, and her story just encompassed so much. It was more than just a labor trauma that led to, I mean, it just, it encompassed so much tragedy but so much more hope and Mm -hmm. I I love all of our guests but her story just resonated with me so much so I am I Elizabeth thank you for doing this thank you for being part of our club and our community and for sharing your family absolutely this is Diane and she needs to go answer her phone and this is Susan, and I'm going to make a Starbucks run. Ooh, get it, girl. Go get your phone. I did. I am. We know you have so many choices on how to spend your time. 
Thank you so much for choosing to spend it with us. We would be honored to hear your unique, complicated, and hope-filled stories. We would love for you to connect with us and share your story on our website, www.whenautumncomes.com, and you can find us on social media at When Autumn Comes Podcast. Also, check us out at 4AM Mom Club, where we will be sharing our middle-of-the-night shenanigans, Etsy finds, Netflix faves, and other things to get us through. We would love for you to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You'll continue to hear unique stories, feel a whole lot of comfort and connection, and hopefully share in a few laughs. We are new to the podcasting world, so this show is produced by yours truly. With hope and a whole lot of excitement, Diane and Susan. See you next time.